Welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. Today we're going to talk about, obviously, Succession, episode 2. Before that, we talk about some movies we've been watching and excited to watch, including Dune, The French Dispatch, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, The Last Duel, and honestly, any other movie that comes to our mind. And of course, we talk about the incredible, dare I say, world-changing casting news for Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie. I'm your host, Bankole Mokwede. And joining me today, I'm still too scared to eat his donuts. It's my co-host, Obira Georgi Fiacho. How are you, Obira? Yeah, not bad. How did you know where I was? How did you send those donuts? <laughs> I'm having a better week um, than Paul School, so I'm doing fine. <laughs> I knew you're going to bring that up. I'm not. I'm not touching that. This is not. That's not this, the podcast for that. For all those who are maybe first time to the podcast, just quick programming notes. We're going to be covering Succession um, throughout its run every Wednesday. So please, I don't know, subscribe, listen to our episodes on Succession and other things. We. Dropped an episode on Denis Villeneuve last week, speaking about Sicario, Prisoners, Arrival, three of the best movies of the last 10 years. Um, yeah, and if you're new to Succession, we did like three episodes on season one and two, so you can go listen to that as well. Before we go anywhere, any further, let's just obviously send our, our deepest wishes to Helena Hutchison's family. Obviously, she's the cinematographer that died on the set of Rust, the Alec Baldwin film. Very tragic event, and it's so heartbreaking that that's still happening in 2021. Um, anyone has listened to us, this, this is not the right podcast to like learn about the intricacies of movie firearms and all Props that. Props and stuff, yeah, there's there's some good like articles. And... Yeah, lots of articles have come out in the past week, so yeah, please research on that if you want to. Yeah, I think we just have to, obviously, we can't talk about film and TV without, obviously, I can't just say tragic events and everything. It's so sad, and hopefully this is the thing that people need to I don't know, make changes and stop using things that are harmful to crew people. Yeah, so our thoughts and prayers, obviously, to her family. I think she lived behind a child and her husband. So that's really very sad. Obira. Talk to me. Let's talk about Barbie. <laughs> There's no, there is no segue I can use that moves from from that side news to Barbie. But let's just talk about Barbie because <laughs> what is going on with this movie? Yeah. So for all those who don't know, uh, Margot Robbie's Barbie movie recently added Ryan Gosling as Ken last week or last weekend. So mm-hmm. look, I think this is day one for me now. I don't know. I, I think, I I think, think that movie is going to be incredibly bad, but it's going to be that kind of thing where like, they're probably going to film it in like some you know, Southern Europe, Mediterranean country, everyone's going to have a good time. It's all going to be like a big fucking holiday. But they actually film. It's like what Adam Sandler does. They go to like an exotic Whoa. Whoa. Why would you do that? Why no, no, no. You... But like just, they go to why like a you... nice place like Greece or Yes, but why would you compare France this movie to Adam Sandler? You see, I have a different opinion. I think this movie is actually going to be very it's good. It's just going to be fucking terrible. Or actually, let me zag a bit on my original idea. There might be some you know, rewriting, sort of updating, updated sort of take on the whole Barbie. Obi, what do you think this movie is about? <laughs> blonde women and blonde men. <laughs> now, do you know the creative team behind this movie? Let me hear it. So this movie is being written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. Oh my goodness. And it's being directed by Greta Gerwig. 
between so right what is it going to between, be between the writer director and two stars of this movie there are 10 oscar nominations there are 10 academy award nominations so what it's okay it's, it's going to be directed by um, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig and written by um Gerwig and her husband or Bombax. so it's partner, going to be yeah. It's basically going to be Barbie and Ken getting together, then divorcing at the end of the movie. <laughs> is it the prequel to Marriage that's, Story? That's, that's, that's the pre- that's the. There's going to be a lot of arguments in between. There is no... You can't describe this movie... like there is, When you describe this movie, like the next line always makes this, this sentence a little bit weirder. Like It's like there's a Barbie movie adaptation that is starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling and it's written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, and it's directed by Greta Gerwig. Like, what movie... So, I'm fully intrigued. I don't think anybody knows what this movie is going to be about, and I'm going to be there day one, because... That's a pure definition of, like, taking a big risk, isn't it? I don't... Yeah, I, I don't think this movie is, like... Because you say Barbie movie, you're like, oh, okay, Barbie movie, Summer is trying to... Mm, I, th- I feel like this movie... I feel like the guys behind this movie might have lofty ambitions. Well, they just completely zag on there, just, like career sort of like projection and just give us like a american pie van wilder sort it's of not thing. possible bring all them like shitty sex movies back you cannot tell me that after marriage story no babak's next movie is like is it no like gosh marriage story is a tough movie man fucking hell. yeah i love it though but i'm never watching second time I'm not watching that again yeah i think this movie might have some lofty ambitions i will see we'll see if he pulls it off i think i'm gonna be there day one which is like no Ten Oscar nominations, man. You know, I'm the positive of the group. I'm the one who is like, you know, let yes. let let creatives cook, let uh, let artists do their shit. So maybe I don't know, man. Yeah, because a girl doesn't do like Lady Bird, then Little Women, and it's like, let me do a shit Barbie movie. <laughs> Let's talk about Sand. Let's <laughs> talk about Dune. I haven't seen Dune yet, but I'm going on Wednesday, and my friend Daniel, shout out to Daniel, he said it's like the best thing he's seen in a while. So like, that's fair. I'm going up there with like big expectations. I mean, I'm so for me personally, I'm currently in the middle of an incredible movie week. Mm-hmm. If I if I do say so myself, so I watched the last duel last week. Oh wow! I assume we'll, we'll talk about that in a few months uh, as we ramp up towards the end of the year. I really liked it. I think mm-hmm. I was among the six other people in the entire world that watched the last duel because <laughs> that movie today was not yeah. going to make money. Uh, I don't know what they did with their marketing for that movie. Like, I didn't even, even I was like, oh, last dude is coming out tomorrow. Like, Matt Damon was nowhere, Ben Affleck was nowhere, Judy Comer was nowhere. It's just very weird marketing. Anyway, Judy Comer was promoting Free Guy. That's what she was But that was like three months ago. Um, I watched The Last Dude, which I really liked. I think it's a really good movie. Wow. Yeah. And then Ridley Scott came, like, there's some points where you're like, oh, yeah, this is the guy that directed Gladiator. Okay. Like, there's, so there's, there's some sequences you're like, uh, okay. Yeah. Ridley Scott. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's like enough. one of them. Yeah, like it's not, it's not, it's not one of them. I'm not, no one should go to watch the last duel looking for the action sequences because they're like maybe two or three battles and then the duel itself and the duel itself like lives up to it. Did Matt Damon's face put you off? No, because you know what? It works so perfectly for the character. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going to, obviously, this is, we're not, not going to give spoilers for anything, but what I can say is that it was just so cool watching like movie stars and like great actors just like cook in the same room together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like you could have a scene where it's like Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, Matt Damon, just like acting. And you're like, these guys are incredible. Adam Driver is there as well, man. Bro, I, I came up with this movie and I was like, I think I tweeted, I was like, is Adam Driver a generational talent? Because 
he's doing some things, man. Adam Driver is like, he's on the run. Gosh, that guy's like, just every fucking good movie is, oh, Adam Driver is, oh. He's, he's been on the run last few years. I'm like, this guy can do it. But then, so I watched Last Duel last week. And then I'm trying to catch up on my Wes Anderson. Ah. So I finally watched Rushmore, which is like his second movie. I watched that um, on Saturday. It's like a coming of age yeah. film. It came out in 98, starring uh, Jason Schwartzman. It's really good. It's a really good comedy based film. We're starting this second film. He co-wrote it with Owen Rosen. Owen. And I'm going to watch Friend Dispatch later this week. And yeah, I watched Dune. Back to your original point. I watched Dune on Saturday nights. And I can't swear to you right now that Dune is a good movie or a bad movie. Oh. But I can swear to you that I had an incredible experience watching this movie. Okay. Like, first of all, I watched this movie in 4D. I watched it in 4DX, right? What the fuck is 4DX? So 4DX is like, you sit down on the chairs and like, when things are happening on screen, you're happening. And so for example, someone got stabbed in the back in the movie and like, we felt it in our back. Oh, really? And we're like, oh. so like, yeah, like if you're in, if you're in rain, for example, it simulates water and stuff like that. Like the, the planes were oh, moved. Did you like that? It was, it, I think, yeah. It's not, I won't do it every time because obviously to get to get. I think it's one, of, it's one of the things where I, I, I'll probably say I'm about to shit on it. And I was like, I mean, you're there to watch a movie. If I wanted, to, you know, an experience like that, I'll go to fucking Thorpe Park. Yeah, but to watch a movie, but like, but I don't know. Maybe it's one of the things where, like, if I try it, I'll probably like. I yeah, but if you say that, then what's the point of 3D? I don't like 3D. I think 3D is stupid. Okay, I don't like 3D as well, but like, <laughs> there is. It doesn't hamper you watching a movie. I don't like 3D because I don't like wearing the glasses. Because by your point, yeah, I, things like I I usually wear glasses as well to like <laughs> in the cinema because I'm short sighted. So yeah, because by your point, then just watch every every movie on your phone, which obviously we <laughs> we are avidly against on this podcast. But like it's the same thing watching on IMAX and watching on your phone, or watching on IMAX and watching for I'm not gonna watch every movie in 4D, but like for a movie like doing that, like you want to feel the experience. I think it puts you there, it puts you in that place. I'm like, I'm not going to watch Marriage Story in 4D. They're not going to put Marriage Story in 4D. Punching the wall in 4D, innit? It was, I think, I, I think everyone has, not has to, but I think everyone should do it once to decide whether they like it or not. And it's, it was definitely something. And like, it just, just made the experience better. I'm going to watch Dune again, but it's, it's a, I think it's a good movie. I think, it's Denis, man. We said it already, like, he did what he needed to be done. We're in good hands, aren't we? Yeah, you're just, you're in good hands. So, I think Dini does enough and then your willingness to either engage with the story or the subject matter then takes you the extra step. Do you get what I mean? Like, so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you like this kind of stuff? Are you someone that you never watch sci-fi, you never watch fantasy, whatever? And then that obviously hampers. But in terms of directing a movie, Dini did that. And there are some shortcomings, which I think we'll talk about when we actually do a Dune episode. Yeah. But yeah, I on, on a whole, like if you say yes or no, like I like the movie. What else are you doing this week apart from Dune? Because there's another movie coming out I'm excited about. What else am I doing this week? Um, well, it's Halloween, so I might watch a Halloween oh movie. On, I watch, um, I've watched Scream already. That was pretty cool. I might watch Halloween, like the actual Michael Myers Halloween, because I want to go as Michael Myers. So I need to do my sort of like character research. So I can You're get in character. What are you doing? I don't want you, What are you doing? So I can get in, so I get in character. Don't go on killing people like, oh, I'm, I'm in character. <laughs> be like, Jared Leto um, on the Suicide Squad set. I might watch the, I'll probably watch the the remake of The Guilty, the Danish film that takes place in basically a police headquarters. Mm, that's with Jake Gyllenhaal on Netflix. With Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. I might watch yeah. that. Uh, what else would I watch? 
I'm kind of hoping that Nef- that they put out the harder they fall in cinemas because I really want to put that in the cinema. I think it to be a good it's a good cinema movie, but if not, I'll watch it on Netflix. But I'm watching Last Night in Soho this weekend, definitely. That's the new Edgar Wright, Anya Taylor Joy movie. Oh, maybe I'd watch that. I'm not really like a horror fan, but Edgar Wright is doing a movie with Anya Taylor Joy, so obviously I'm going to watch it. Like, yeah. It can be whatever genre it needs to be. That's another director way. Just like we watch his movie, and he just like this is Edgar Wright right here. Just has a certain style. Yeah. So like, I'm obviously going to watch. I'm not going to not watch an Edgar Wright movie because I don't like horror. That that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I recently watched like what I rewatched. I think Hot Fuzz, and I was just like, Fuck it. is that the one where he says nigger? Where Nick Frost says nigger? Um, I think I don't think is Hot Fuzz the first one. No, Hoff was the second one. Or is it Shaun of the Dead as the first Shaun one? Shaun of the Dead is the first one. Maybe yeah. Shaun of the Dead. In one of them, though, like Nick Frost's character calls Simon Pegg. is like, hey, niggas, let's get in the car. So We'll have to cancel him. Just want you to know that I do love Edgar Wright, but we, we're not biased on this podcast. We we, we call we call you out when you, when you need to be called out. Oh, well, I haven't called Dave Chappelle out, have we? We're not touching that. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Succession, episode two. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we'll take a break and then we'll talk about Succession. Okay, well, I didn't know. Sure, whatever, but yeah, you did. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. Did you, Rome? No, I didn't. No, no. No? No. The fucking pipeline of sad dancers who got used and abused and promised some Hollywood bullshit, we fucking knew. Right, no, I, I mean, I kind of knew, you know, that there was, but I didn't know to the fucking, I did, I really did not. Oh, come on, we knew. What? We fucking knew, okay? And I, and I, I don't like bullshit, okay? I'm done, enough. Well, okay, but what did we know? Yeah? I'm not saying that you're responsible, Shiv, but the guys, Dad, Mo, the wolf pack. We knew the jokes and the vibe to women and to the, to the grubby fat asses who took the cruises, the blind eye and the payoffs and the hush-hush about dad's pals or foreign workers who got crushed like, uh, like meat in a fucking grinder with zero training and the border barrel and clean out the rats in the hold. And you know, no, it wasn't our fault. And y- you wanna pretend your shit doesn't stink, be my guest, but, but. We knew, we, we knew what those you. guys in dad's study were laughing oh, about. Oh, no, I didn't know that dancers were fucking for their jobs, and I didn't know that we threw fucking migrants off boats and covered it up as a matter of secret company policy. No, I didn't know what they were laughing about. Don't get in the pool with Mo. Yeah, I didn't get in the pool with any of those fucking creeps. Yeah, because he let a gang of creeps run cruises. No, Kendall, because I was 15. Um, Obira, I just spoke to the market, and you wouldn't believe what the market thinks about you. Market is saying I'm the one carrying this podcast. I said, <laughs> so it's all me. So you're just a woke, <laughs> a woke left Netflix no podcasters, and you're only here for your tits. Um, so episode two, Succession, season three. I think this was a truly good episode. Can I ask you one question? What? When you, when I ring you, right? Wolf picture comes up. <laughs> Isn't everyone saying that Saddam Hussein? Saddam Hussein. <laughs> That was some fucking brilliant. I thought it was so funny. So man. good. That so good, so man. That was just like, uh, the fact that like dad is Saddam Hussein's picture coming up. It's just like fucking perfect. <laughs> oh my God, shit, man. So, so. Now I'm intrigued to know two things. One, 
who she saves every other person as, <laughs> and also who Logan is saved as on under everybody else's phone. All oh, right, like right. who does Roman have Logan saved as? Well, what picture? Um, yeah, no, but sort of the same. Incredible. Um, yeah, I think I think it was a truly good episode, honestly. But I think it's weird because I think it might be difficult to talk about because not a lot happens, but like a lot is said. I think it's definitely it's definitely a second part to the to the premiere. Like it's like the premiere was part one and this is part two because usually Succession does this thing where each episode is kind of distinct and then maybe a new location or a new stuff. But like this one was like mm-hmm, clearly part one and part two, and I think even. Exemplified the fact that both were written by Jesse Armstrong, both were directed by Mark Lloyd. I think it's basically two two parts of one episode. Where do you want to start talking about this episode? Um, I mean, I don't want to. If, I don't know if you want to go to the main event. I think there we can start there. We we can start. The yeah, main event. I mean, you know how I always sort of bring up this point on you know movies is two people talking to each other and stuff, but how can you make it cinematic? This is literally the best. Uh, personification of that sort of point in the sense that you've got, you know, the four kids of Logan and it's like oh, we want this to happen Kenan is trying to argue his case but the kids are still pushing back and it's just everyone, and everyone's just fucking scheming, everyone is just fucking playing games and it's like when Ken says, I'll give you guys a second to think about it and they all make calls to the respective sort of confidant partners, partners and stuff, and it's just, everyone is just sort of like, everyone wants the fucking big phone, everyone wants the top thing, and everybody's just trying to put themselves in the best um, position to get the top phone. Jeremy Strong is putting numbers on the board this season. (laughs) Two episodes already, and he's putting numbers on the board, man. This guy is doing some stuff. Um, Before, I have a question to ask you before we even go and talk about the episode. Does Kendall know, or even, do you think Kendall will find out that Shiv had influence over who got sacrificed. Did she? Yeah, she obviously had a conversation with Logan when she was basically, and she had she and Logan had decided the night before that she'd be candled, and when she's like, um, just not oh, Tom. Oh, I thought Shiv basically just said that it shouldn't be Tom. No, no, so we, she, they have a conversation, Logan and Shiv, the night before. We don't see that, but they, they talk about it, where they decide that it's going to be candled. Oh, really? Right. Was that brought up in this episode? No, no, no. I remember I've watched season two a lot of times. I've watched season two twice. I didn't think... I didn't, no I didn't, I didn't... I'll show you after this. I'll show you after this. <laughs> but like, yeah. So, and then... I, so I think what happened in that conversation was like, Logan was like, it's going to be Kendall and Shiv basically agrees. Then later, Shiv, Logan is like, okay, now you you have to choose between um, Kendall and Tom. Like, this is the job that the big person does. And then she says she can't choose. Then she's like, just not Tom, which obviously is her choosing. So I wonder if like Kendall is ever going to find out that like Chip kind of had that influence over, or maybe they'll just never find out. There was that big conversation. There was mm-hmm. that big conversation. I think I sort of alluded to um, last week on between Greg and Kendall in the sense that like, okay, we can finally see them talking about the papers now, can't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we can actually see that on screen. So yeah, that's okay. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I think I mean, we'll get to Greg later on. Yeah. We'll talk about Greg. We'll talk about Greg in a bit. Um, Kendall knows all the right things to say, which is obviously has always been a plus for him. He's always kind of been forward thinking and he knows what people want to hear. He knows what quote unquote the culture is like. But I'm intrigued to know to find out how much of what he's saying he actually believes. Because we we've established that he's full of bullshit and he's not this work savior that he thinks he is. 
But I'm intrigued to like even see how much of what he's saying he, he believes. Do you believe any of his bullshit? I I think I genuinely genuinely believe that he wants. Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Sorry. Um, no. It's it's all it's all it's all an ego trip. It's awful. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to better the company. I just think he wants to beat his dad. I don't think he cares about the whole um, sort of like health of the company and talking about you know making the company better and you know erasing the company of its toxic culture and shit like that. To be fair, I think that if Kendall sort of just you know hops in, he probably just becomes part of that, you know part of the whole system, and he probably just becomes you know as bad or even. Maybe even worse than his dad. Like I don't think. Um, I both agree and disagree because I I do believe that Kendall wants to make the company better, but I also don't think it's for some altruistic thing. Like I think he he's still selfish and he still wants like still an ego thing. Like if you told him, oh, "Okay, Kendall, we're gonna fix everything. We're gonna clean this company, but you won't be CEO." He'll be like, "No, nah, fuck that. Like <laughs> I want to clean the company, but I also want to be CEO." So I think Kendall is someone that has convinced himself a lot of times that he's the good guy like he believes that he's he can be the savior but also he's a roy yeah but i think it's sort of looking out like he's still a shitty person but i mean compared to his dad he's probably you know a saint yeah, yeah. i mean there's nothing he says to shift where he's like you've always convinced yourself that you're the good person or right now i'm the real you like yeah yeah he's not he's not like lying that's he genuinely believes that in that moment like he's not something that he's saying to her to convey. Like, so you see the way Jeremy Strong plays that. He believes that. So I think Kendall believes that he's a good person, but we obviously as viewers know that he's obviously not. But he's, he believes he's a good person, but he still wants wants the big throne. I think in two lines of dialogue, Greg's grandpa was just perfectly described Kendall. <laughs> I found his performance histrionic and meretricious. Well, tell me about it. The man is a self-regarding popinjay. First of all, I'm sorry. I love that. I just need to whenever um, Greg's grandfather is on on scene, I just need to get a dictionary just to just to follow follow along with the dialogue. But like, yeah, he's oh, three words to describe. He's tall as hell. Yeah, he's quite tall because obviously Nicholas Braun is six seven, six eight, and, and like he's like six six or something. Yeah, he's like, he definitely keeps up with him and. But like, yeah, he uses three words to describe Kendall: like histrionic, which is excessively theatrical or dramatic in character or style; mm-hmm. then meretricious, which is apparently attractive but having no real value; <laughs> and he calls him a self-regarding popinjay, which is a vain or conceited person. So, like, that is Kendall. The Kendall we have now wants to be the guy. He wants to be the guy in front of the press conference. He wants to be the guy that rather watches during during the press yeah. conference. So, like, he's, I don't think. Yeah, I think as I said earlier, I don't think he's doing it for the better of the company. I think at the end of the day, if he becomes CEO, at the end of the day, he's still answering to shareholders. And he's I, there was that whole talk about um, polishing, um, polishing ATN and stuff. But it's like, like if you've got a uh, you know dedicated customer base mm. of ATN and you're losing all of that, how would you answer to your shareholders? Like you're probably going to double down on it because at the end of the day, it's all the it's always it's all about the profits and the and the money in this you know capitalist economy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes out. We'll probably never even get to that point because like we just, like we predicted, Kendall is going to catch some L's. I, I didn't expect it to happen as quickly as season as episode two, but he's definitely going to catch some some heavy L's this season. 
obviously we can talk about whether Kendall is chatting bullshit or whatever, but he was going to send me to jail is such a fucking salient point from Kendall's point of view. Like, he's like, I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Whatever you're going to do, just, yeah, fair enough. Because, like, he was going to send you to jail. So, my thing is, if this shit was just epiphenomenal, maybe it could be written out. But these incidents are symptomatic of a foundational sickness within our father and his company. Don't use that tongue prettier than a $20 whore. <laughs> yeah, like, what's your point? My point is the milk is going sour. Well, that explains it. You know, the, the great whites, from politics to culture, they're rolling off stage. It's our time. Oh, you mean us? This multi-fucking-ethnic transgender alliance of 20-something dreamers we got right here? <laughs> Good. Big picture, we're at the end of the long American century. Our company is a declining empire inside a declining empire. Amen, brother. People are, are, are killing themselves with guns or dope so fast that we're losing pace. Unsubscribe. We're, we're fat-fingered fucks and we can only live on cream. U.S. supremacy is waning. What I think is, within that context, we can become omninational and reposition. Because actually we are not tied, culturally or physically, so, so we are actually in a great position to leapfrog tech. Information is going to be more precious than water in the next hundred. Combine all our news operations, become the global news information hub. Amazon is 20 years old, Gates is an old geezer. Detoxify our brand, and we can go supersonic. Gosh, can we talk about that, just that whole scene slash sequence when they're all in the, in the room? It's a play. It's, this is, there is no way to hide it. This is, this is a very well-stated and well-written play by Jesse Armstrong involving yeah. four characters. Or maybe if you then expand it to six, including Tom and Jerry. I was gonna say like it just it just felt so natural. Um, it just felt so it was so good, man. The script and the the, the delivery was just so natural, so realistic. Yeah, because these these are characters who are always hiding things, but also trying to get something. And it's like, how yeah. does Kendall then talk to Shiv in a way that he can? Basically, pitch to her, but also not, not give her everything. And first of all, yeah. let's do that. He never lets her see Lisa Arthur. Like she can never know of Lisa. Like Lisa Arthur's in the other room. She knows, but she can never see her. Mm-hmm. But he also has to pitch to her in a way that nothing he says will compromise him. She goes back to report to her dad, and vice versa from Shiv. Shiv can't overcommit, but she also has to listen to what I love to know. because I, I think she's the wild card in this, in this season. I think Roman is pretty much sort of like i think his dad is just like using him as a whip toy jerry i think jerry also is sort of using him as well too we'll talk about that later but i think shiv is a bit like i think she was actually considering like she was really thinking about it because i think she has to be wondering i think she was really thinking about it i think i think if roman and connor never came into the house i think she might have agreed no i think it's it's it all sort of boils down to Am I going to be CEO or not? You're still going to be, I'm still going to be under you. So how will that work? I don't like that. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Because first of all, that's what I mean. Because obviously if Roman and Connor don't come in, then is two less people that are going for CEO. It's easier to decide yeah, CEO between two people than between four people. Kendall is never given that up though. That CEO conversation, when, when it did come up, I was like, from the moment they started talking, I was waiting for it. Because I was like, that is inevitable. That, that, yeah. that question is going to come up. Because that is the question. 
you guys are all trying to like dance around it. I don't want to bring it up. You guys don't want to talk about it because you guys know that that is the that's where the deal is made or broken. So everybody's trying yeah. to find out everything else before. Like the CEO exactly. talk was exactly. inevitable. And to be honest, Jerry probably said the most um, interesting thing on that point, which is that it's going to be none of them. If they, if they do come out of this, it probably won't be one of them that becomes CEO because they're all tainted food at, at that point. But none of them has noticed it yet. No, Kendall has. That's why he's trying to fucking kill his dad. Yeah, but like, it's not. It's not Game of Thrones. It's not. It's not like a throne. You just kill it and become CEO. I don't think Roman or Shiv have realized that. Wait, how does? I might, look. I might be wrong. But how does CEO work? It's not as if you just kill him and then you become CEO. Isn't it like a no? But it's like it's um it's Kendall forcing him out. That's what I mean. Not obviously literally killing him. No, no. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying like. <laughs> I actually mean, but like, is is it? It's not. Wouldn't the board still have to vote on who the CEO is? I think if um, for fucking ask. I mean, look, management. anyone listening, you guys can tell that we are clear. This is not clear. Not our, our field of expertise. So, message us if we have. If yeah, message us if you have any ideas. I think is if he's able to get enough support from, um, family members and, like the you know the exec board as well. I think that would sort of like basically forcing Luger's hand to step down. I think that should work, if that makes any sense. No, no, I know I know how... The, I, I understand the forcing Logan out part. I'm saying, like, that doesn't automatically mean that Kendall becomes CEO. Like, it's... If, for example... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Honestly, this is the least important part of Succession. <laughs> like, talking about who becomes CEO. I just love everything else about Succession. I don't think two kids, especially... Um, well, the two kids, Roman and Shave, have sort of clocked that. that um, Logan is literally just manipulating them and he's been manipulating them for like a while now like what no no i i I think that's doing a disservice to both of them i I think they understand but i think they also understand that to become again following this metaphor to become the king you have to be in the vicinity of the king so they understand that they're being manipulated or whatever but in their head they they know that look first of all i have to be close enough to him and then i have to be running my own schemes right like she believes she's running like, I, th- I think Shiv w- would have considered joining Kendall because she thought he was going to win. Roman is running his own his own schemes with Jerry, which we'll talk about in a second. But as I think it's like, look, to win, we need to be around the eventual winner. And then when that person wins, maybe down the line, we become CEO. But could you not say to win, you need to be literally around the person who's trying to take him down? But what if he loses? But that's not a guarantee of them... But I mean, I'm, all I'm saying is that them being close to Logan isn't a guarantee of them, or doesn't give them a better chance of them winning. Well, mm, if the kids, if all three kids are with Kendall, I think Kendall has a better chance of winning. Yeah. But if all three kids are with Logan, then they believe that Logan has, because they can look, you can hear the way Roman talks about Logan. It's like, yeah, a normal person will lose here, but that is not a normal person. <laughs> like you have Frank and Carl talking about like all the things that he's gone through. Like they believe that this guy will win because he always wins, yeah. He has a lifetime of going through this kind of crisis and, and, and overcoming but I think so, that in order to kill, I think there was that thing, I think it was second season or first season, that Roman told Kendall is that if you want to take the throne, you'd have to kill dad because that's what he'd be trying to do if mm-hmm. he was in your own position. position. Yeah. So that is, that's kind of what I mean in the sense that unless someone has like some elaborate, complex scheme no, i mean it's still the normal thing of like all come together like some fucking red wedding something 
yeah, but Logan is still old. He's going to die. Like, so if they, the assumption is that if, for example, like Shiv might believe, you know what? Roman is a fucking moron. If we get through this and actually beat Kendall, that is, has maybe 10 years left. It will make well, me see. What have we seen time and time and time again is that he doesn't trust any of his kids. Yeah, but like just because he dies doesn't mean one of the kids is going no, to get No, no, I think they have to believe that Logan will rather like give it to one of his kids than anyone else. Maybe the kids are still part of the board, but like CEO, he's shown time and time again that he doesn't trust, he doesn't respect. Which is also, which is again, look, which is again what Shiv articulates that, which is like, um, Holly Hunter's character, um, Rhea, first Rhea, now Jerry, and it's like, Maybe he's never going to give it to us. But, like, you have to believe that he's going to because... No, but at the end of the day, I think Logan cares about Waystar Oracle more than, more than the actual... More than his name? More than, than his name. name in his name? I think this is... This is, this is him. Waystar Royco is him. Yeah, but if it's another... And scene... what he doesn't want to see is him. Is basically his, you know, creation invention going to shit. So you think Logan would rather have Waystar Royco in another person's hands than with someone that, that shared his name? Well, he was, he literally appointed Rhea Jarrell as CEO before she stepped down. Like, he's done it before. No, that happened because of the proxy battle, though. I'm sure if the proxy battle was over, he was never going to go ahead with that. Fair. But I mean, Sanya and Stewie are still in the background lurking. Yeah. Which is why, which is why, again, it's Jerry this time. Like, Jerry is the, is the face of it because he wants Jerry to, eat. no, we'll talk about Jerry in a second. Gosh, they're setting her up, aren't they? Hey, look, man, I just, every episode I just love watching because I just feel like it's interesting to see where, it's just to see where the L's fall. Um, Logan is... I mean, watching Logan, you can see how he got to where he is because this guy is, is, on, is on attack mode. Mm-hmm. And also, just like the fact that he can enter his kid's mind with just a pack of donuts, man. That's, that's, that's super villain territory. <laughs> that's like... That's, that's mental conditioning. Like, all he had to say was, a pack of donuts and everyone falls up. It's it's wild. Kendall shouted at Jess, which is not cool. He needs to apologize and he needs to fix up. He's not allowed to shout at Jess. We we know this. Carolina is back with the team, so good for her. She's not unemployed. Um, which is why I said it was going to be weird to talk about this episode because we can't really talk about the discussions they had because there were so many and so layered. They discussed even like Roman sex thing. You can tell that the kids had an idea about it. It's just mm-hmm. very, just very great writing. Can't really go into it without spending 19 minutes. But we've never, we've never seen Kendall be this um, rude to his siblings. If anything, he's one that's coming to their defense. Like maybe he calls them a fucking moron as a joke, but like this is the first time he was this rude to like Connor, to Roman, especially to Shiv. Which kind of leads me to something I want to talk about, which is, this season, we are seeing a new version of Logan. Like, like I mentioned earlier, first season, he was kind of the weak, um, Logan who was recovering from his illness. Second season, he was a bit more active, a bit more proactive. And then this season, he's, he's scared. He's cornered. He's like in fighter, fighter mode. He's the way everyone is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone like leaving him and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. You can see him. He's, he's doubt everything. And I also think we're seeing it. We're seeing a different version of, of Kendall. We mentioned it in the first episode. Just on the face of it, he's funnier. He's, he's a bit more loose and jumpy. But I think we're seeing different versions of Kendall in, in like the two episodes that we've got so far. In what way? So, first episode, we, we got the hyper manic Kendall, the one that we assumed was on coke. 
like interrupting his PR people, interrupting his his lawyers. Um, this episode, he's a bit more subdued. He's trying to like talk to Greg in a like, what's wrong, Greg? Let me actually fix you. He's trying to he's a bit more calculating and okay, I think Greg might be a problem here. Let me get some lawyer to be on my side and everything. And with the with his siblings, he's a, he's very measured and and very like articulate. <laughs> he's weird, like he's so articulate. He he has all the right words. Like I mentioned earlier, he he has this plan, like type of Canada you would never see in the presence of Logan. But then also like the dick Kendo comes out of the end, like the fake book Kendo, the the other that will tell you he's a feminist as in the first line of conversation. Like he has told Shivola along that she's the he's the one she wants. And the moment she says no, it's like, well, yeah, it's just because you're a woman. Like, like that's the dick kind of comes out. And it's just like, you're a fucking twat. <laughs> I was the only one you wanted. Yeah? I was the only one who mattered. Yeah, only because you're the girl. Girls count double now, didn't you know? Oh, yeah. No, I know. I fucking know. It's only your teats that give you any value. So, you know, it's only your teats. It's just very interesting to just see these various versions of Kendall all coming up. Like, Kendall was a good character. Jeremy Strong was an incredible performer. Well, I think now we're seeing like so many different versions of Kendall in, in two hours, essentially. I, I don't know. I, that's something that struck me. I just think a lot of the characters have kind of, and this is not a criticism in any way, but they've all kind of followed the tracks that we've seen of them in the first 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. Roman, Shiv, Jerry, Frank, Carl, whatever. They've all followed their tracks. But like with Logan and Kendall, you can see that this is these are new versions of the characters. Maybe we'll get new versions of Roman and Kendall and Shape as we go. Maybe not. Their, their characters are perfect the way they are right now. We don't need to change them. But it's just interesting that like Kendall is a different Kendall. Like if you if you show somebody one episode, you show somebody the L to the OG episode and then show them this episode, they're like, who is this character? If you showed somebody like the um Ball on the Floor episode where Logan is domineering. And like, what do you call it? Everyone is cowering under him. And then you show them this episode where he's cornered and, and he's hurt and he's basically begging Marsha to be there for him. It, it's so just so interesting, different kinds of, of variations or characterizations that we're getting of, of Logan and, and Kendall. Do you want to talk about Jerry? Yeah. So what's, what's her end game here? What's she trying to do? Um, I think it was quite cool when she, when they showed her like sort of taking her, her taking a picture of um, cute. of her being like a name being named Sia and she sent it to her daughter. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, listen, I became Sia of something, right? I literally have that like fucking first thing walking to my house. That's like what you see, sort of like nailed to the wall. Just me, um, me, me being modest about it. But anyway, I think it's just like what's her, what's going on there? What's her plan? What's her plan? Well, I think in Jerry's mind, her job is, okay, um, steady the ship, but also don't... It's weird. You have to steady the ship, but also don't rock the boat. So steady the ship, but just do what is expected of you. Don't let Logan be annoyed with you for any reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But then you know that you and Roman have your little plans. At the end. And I think, again, Roman, stepping up. Roman's plan is smart. It's like, he's like, look, okay, let's get at a committee so that when the time comes... And they're like, who knew? It's those guys. And Jerry can be like, well, I delegated. Oh, I didn't know as much. Right? It was these six or whatever. Logan's snob of Jerry, the handshake. That was that was tough yeah. to watch, man. <laughs> Why did he tough. do that? What's this? <laughs> I think he's trying to distance himself. So she's a lame dog. She's a lame dog. Doesn't know she's a lame dog. 
Like, right. she's not really a lame dog, but more like a dog for slaughter, if that makes sense. Like, she's not as if she's going to ride out her tenure. He wants, like, he said it to Shave in the car, where he's like, yeah, yeah. you're wearing a suit named Jerry Kelman. Jerry is going to meant to take in all the problems, all the bad things, all the... um crew stuff and everything and then when she's done they remove that suit and they throw away the suit she's done yeah. which is which is weird because obviously early in the episode roman is like talking to jerry's like are you sad or are you regretful that you hit yourself to me and now it seems like maybe roman might have been the one that fucked up by hitching himself to jerry because logan clearly intends for jerry to go all the way down which actually had a question like who do you think is going to have the harder crash uh jerry or kendall Logan. What you mean? You think Logan's going to have the harder crash here? Yeah, I think he's. I don't know, man. If, I mean, all this could be moot if those papers come out. Like, well, true. Yeah. I think it's like, I haven't brought it up. Like, we've been doing what, 40 minutes of this podcast. And it's like, if those papers come out, Logan is finished. It's done. I mean, yeah, but like, he's out. Logan basically tells Roman, look, Jerry's just here to absorb everything at the beginning of the episode. Mm hmm. How does that make sense then? Because he, because he sort of stepped down after the whole cruises stuff has come out, after the whole Kendall thing, and well, after well, Rhea yeah. stepped down and yada yada yada. Then after the whole Kendall thing, but like when he means take the, like this, is what I didn't understand. Like in terms of like her taking the shit, like at the end of the day, it was Logan who was head of the company whilst all these atrocities were taking place. So, them getting rid of Jerry, what does that solve? I don't know. We'll see. That's future episodes we'll coming. See. I mean, we'll see. remember that Jerry was once put up as like if possible fall guy when they were like. I guess Jerry. Yeah, I guess Jerry. Head always, of legal. Yeah, she's always been head of like. Um, yeah, and she's been there for maybe twenty plus years. So like, it's, yeah, like she has the. So like, if Logan is like, look, I was CEO and I didn't like. It was too far from me to know. It will be Jerry that know that. Well, I, look, I mean... Do you know what's interesting? What? Fucking Tom and Shiv, season three. Well, Obia, you should know this. You can't just bank my love and then decide if you're going to invest it when it, when it suits you, right? That... I'm, a, I'm a love investment. <laughs> it's so strange, man, because it looks like fucking... It looks like Tom wants the big throne in it as well and i don't know man do you do you think so yeah i think all these guys are fucking power hungry mania yeah it's power hungry but i feel like i always feel like tom's power hunger like has a limit like i, I think as, after the hearings i can't seem i can't i don't think it's have been seeable see like it's the whole <laughs> like tom is fighting back tom is reclaiming his time and it's like oh i love you and tom i think like, they're gonna end in a place of like this is purely like a professional arrangement yeah this starts sort of like i think we're going to get to this eventually on how everything we'll talk about marsha as well everything in this year is all transactional everything is all done i mean marsha let's talk about marsha now very quickly yeah she's not i mean she's like look i still love you and i'm gonna come back but i can't just come back for no reason like you have to if you're not gonna apologize you have to at least show me that you you want me back which i'm like you know fair enough okay sure you do you get your own marsha so logan fucked rare i think that's the that yeah yeah we're That's exactly what they're telling us, yeah. In London. But that, we've assumed so since that London episode well, of The Return. Well, we... Uh, well, like, did it happen? Did yeah, it we happen? didn't know, but you, you're one way or the other, but, like... We're sort of, like, we thought it happened, but we but needed then that... Marshall has that incredible competition with Rhea in season two, where she's like, are you regularly tested? 
Because yeah, I, well, we thought, we thought she was just being a fucking. She was just being wow. psychopath about it. You didn't want to believe women. No. Wow. <laughs> oh, he's cheating on me as well. I was surprised. Listen, um, actually, let me not say that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like because they're trying to what, sort of like PR stuff, save Logan's face. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, do you like you know you've been outed as this guy who sort of covered up sexual abuses and basically you know non-real person involved cases and stuff. Do you know what'll be good for you? A fucking public divorce. <laughs> but I was so surprised that like, because it sounds like people already know that Marsha and Logan are separated, which I'm, I'm surprised how many people already know. I mean, I guess it's a mid-page six Well, people are probably aware. It's like, that might just be sort of gossip here and there yeah. and stuff. But, you know, it hasn't been confirmed and stuff. So if they sort of come out together and saying it was still together and stuff, which is sort of what, what, what she was negotiating, mm-hmm. that would sort of help Logan PR-wise. Yeah, I think she was just like, you know what, yeah, um, I'm coming back because I love you and you basically apologize as best as you can apologize Logan Roy. But if I'm going to come back, this has to be it. My, my money has to be set. My children's money has to be set. And then I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> I love when the, her lawyer is like, to Hugo, which Hugo is just catching stress every episode, man. He sees face. Poor, poor guy. He was like, Carolina, do you want to take this? She was like, no, nah, no, nah, Hugo, you go. <laughs> um, but like the lawyer is like, this is going to sound like a lot of money. But just remember that it's not going to be good for him if they get divorced. So in that case, the money seems a lot more reasonable. And I was like, this, this, how much money do you reckon she asked for? Oh, bro, I don't. I don't think I. They didn't tell us because we can't fathom that kind of money. Like it's it's not for our brains. It's just let's just leave it as imaginary. Let's talk about Greg quickly before we we live here. And the biggest thing in the Greg plot in this episode is that even his fucking grandfather has it has an agenda that's what i'm saying earlier and everyone is everyone is playing games man everyone how old do we think greg is i'm thinking i think we meant greg is probably like mid-20s right yeah that's what i'm thought or yeah. maybe late-ish 27 28 because he has a friend who's in first semester of law school like i, I don't okay maybe yeah so like 25 to 28 that, that asking her for legal advice <laughs> like, Greg, what are you doing man <laughs> To be fair, that I asked you for I asked you for legal advice and you haven't oh, fucking practiced. Yeah, law. I told you I, I'm not a lawyer. Just <laughs> a person, lawyer. Just, just a person with a law degree, man. Two different degree. things. Um, yeah, God, can they give Greg a serious lawyer? I, I'm very. I don't. I don't feel good about his lawyer. I don't. So he has three options. It's like Waystar lawyer, Kendall lawyer, or his uncle's lawyer. Oof, tough. I feel like he has other options. He's a. He's kind of a rich person. He can get his own like. But I don't think Arvik is rich that he can, you know, Harvey Specter on <sighs> contract. Who would you go? I'll go. I'll go Kendall Lawyer though. I'll go Kendall Lawyer as well. Yeah, I'll go Kendall Lawyer because. But it's like, what do you reckon the uncle's agenda is? What do you reckon he's trying to I think do? It's to take down capitalism. I'm not sure. Like, I don't understand. So what, what does that mean? That's that. that's why I thought as well. But I was <laughs> yeah, like, so like, what does that mean? <laughs> I I think. I think they probably have a crusade. I mean, maybe he wants to use Waystar as like an example of what capitalism is doing in America. And so he wants to take down Waystar and just tank his like what? No, but I don't think he wants to destroy Waystar. I think he wants to like use Waystar to be like, oh, see what's going on in Waystar. This is what's going on in like Amazon and other companies as well. I don't know, man. It's right, because so I think the lawyer they he he went to is supposed to be like some fucking. I don't want to call him communist, but he's like supposed to be like some anti-capitalist. Yeah, or... someone that has been, yeah. Someone that has been doing like, kind of like, the, you know, the lawyer in the trial of Chicago 7, like kind of yeah. like who he would be 40 years later. Yeah. Um, 
But Greg, man, Greg, you have to have better legal advice than 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 a first year a first year law student. You have to be. Oh, she's so fucking confused, man. She was like, "What's going on?" I thought I thought you just called me called me to chill. What are you asking me legal advice? He's so confused, man. I hope he's like I don't know, man. We all love Greg, but he needs to fucking be smart. <laughs> this is the thing. People are like he needs to realize like what the fuck's going on and stop being dumb all the time. Yeah, this thing. Talk about him with Mark, didn't we? Like. Greg is smart sometimes, in some instances, 100%. But we have to realize that he's, a lot of the time, he's just really dumb and he's just stumbling into things. Think about this. In the world of this show, like maybe 12, 15 months prior, Greg was a mascot at a theme park smoking weed. He's not some, like, super genius. Like, it's, it's only been a year since the pilot, essentially. And, like, he's still quite dumb in some, in some places. He's not like that advanced. I love to see just how he sort of progresses through the season because that's an interesting direction. Yeah, I mean, everything is interesting, man. I'm, I'm, everything is interesting, to be fair. Everything is interesting. I'm so glad that they're back in America. Okay, I have two final questions before we end this episode for you. Why give me fucky eyes? This is not a visual medium, but I was, I was I'm doing adding the, that to my, the I'm adding that to my, to my lingo. It's like, what the fuck is fucky eyes? <laughs> Who do you think... Okay, so two questions before we end this episode. One, who do you think was the happiest to no longer be stuck in a hotel room with Logan? The options are obviously Hugo, Carl, Frank, and Tom. I think I have arguments for all four of them. Um, Who's the guy that wanted to eat? Carl. <laughs> Carl, yes. Carl, yeah, Carl. <laughs> so I can finally get like some fucking food. Do you know, do you know what's funny? What? In every scene that we see Carl in the hotel room, I don't know about downstairs in the lobby, but every time we see him in the hotel room upstairs, he's eating. Like he's yeah. slacking on something. <laughs> I think he needs a break. Um, Tom, hmm. I don't even think Tom needs to be there. <laughs> like he's just there. I think, just... I think he needs Tom there because Tom would hear. He needs to know where everyone is, yeah. No, no, yeah. But also Tom would know what ATN was publishing. So he needed to hear from Tom. Ah, right. Because, um, but also like just the fact that like whenever he's like, Tom, I've been spoken to Shiva. Tom has to like have to fidget and try and call. I'm just like, Tom just wants to be away from Logan right now. Even the way he bounced Tom from his seat in the car. He's just like, get out, go to the front. Yeah, get out. <laughs> just like bounce. Um for Frank, my argument for Frank is like, do you know Frank doesn't say a word this episode? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't actually, no. But he's you, you can see like every time we see him, you just see the cog. His brain is just moving, man. He's just thinking, like, this guy's like, what am I doing here? How many times has he been sacked and rehired now? Is it twice? <laughs> I mean, or? on the plane from the boat to the Croatian airport, he was sacked and rehired like twice. So, like, <laughs> God knows how long. Um, and then Hugo, man. Hugo is just stressed. Stressed. And that's getting planes or do, doing non divorce settlements. He's just like, I need a break. I need to sleep. Um, okay, so let's just let's go with Carl because he needs to eat. Carl is a good answer. He needs to you eat. You need to eat, man. Um, okay, now. Who do you think was the dumbest person to turn down Kendall between Connor, um, Shave, and Roman? I have my answer, but I'd like to hear what your answer is. Roman. You think Roman was the dumbest? Explain. To Roman and Shave. Um, but which one is more? Roman, man. Can you explain why you think Roman? Because I don't think his dad ever considers him as a successor. I don't know what his plan is, because I know for Shiv, at least, his dad, or her dad, sorry, has basically promised her, or has said, even though it might be manipulative, 
at least it's come out of his mouth that you know she's the one obviously she's the one so she might be sort of led she you know she has something to sort of go with mm-hmm. but i think mm-hmm. roman it's like but what about roman's plan with jerry you don't think he believes in that well i think you know i guess with the um upcoming episodes we'll see but i think shiv is like obviously like shiv is sort of like relying on what her you know what her dad is saying lol mm. <laughs> <laughs> against basically what and I think that's sort of like a stronger letter to stand on than mm. whatever Roman has with Jerry. Because if they fire Jerry, Roman is gone. Roman is done. Yeah. Um, my vote was Connor. What are you doing, Connor? Are you mad? Just accept. I just think he's irrelevant. Any, I'd even consider him for the. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, I, I'm just like, why are you turning this down? Like, you have no. If from my my thing is, you have no standing with Logan. At least with Kendall, you can re-establish like a new it's like a new contract it's a clean slate you can't Fair enough. try and get some power in this kind of conversation we can I'm just like why are you t- I, mean, the first the, I, think Logan have, I think Logan would have just um, Logan, I think Kendall would have just treated him as an extra and just like yeah but that's fair just at least get more money because you're not because right now you're kind of broke aren't you so at least now you can exchange more money with Kendall it's very broke you're always going to be an extra nothing's going to change then he has that. like 40 million pounds or something in there 40 million bucks and then bank or something i wonder how willis play is doing i think the way i thought about that question is like who has the most to lose oh no i just thought who was the dumbest person to turn it down like you should have accepted right. this way i thought like who has the most to lose and i just thought i think to be fair i, I think i'd give it as a tie because i don't think roman i don't think kendall respects roman or shiv like just sort of looking i think he's just toying with his kids again just to keep out oh, logan you mean logan yeah sorry yeah. logan yeah and I don't think, because once like once Kenneth proposed the plan to to them, Roman was like, "I can't go against that." I'm just like, mm, like, uh, do you want to stop? Do you want to be a man for once? Yeah, just, I mean, Roman. Like, I know they, like, um, they have like some massive daddy issues and stuff, but no, yeah, time, Roman definitely loves Logan the most. Yeah, and I think Logan might love Roman the most. Uh, like he, like, he loves shit because like that's daddies and daughters, right? That has an age old tale. But I think like like even for example, just the offhand things they do, like even when he ruffles Roman's hair in season, in episode one, the fake punch they did in episode two, like yes for the cameras, but it's like there is something there, and I think Roman is kind of basically the most like Logan in terms of business instincts. Like you see the way he just destroys Kendall in episode one in the airport mm-hmm. and just like chopping him and everything. So I think I think he might actually love Roman the most. But, no, I think he loves Kendall the most. Um, I think yeah. he just, I think he loves Kendall out of necessity. Like, he felt like Kendall was going to be the guy, so I have to love him. No, he loves Kendall in a way that he has control, like, he has control him. That's... Basically, I think if he was, if he went to the shelter and he was picking up three, like, one out of the three kids from, from like, a puppy shelter, I think he picks the Roman puppy. But who are we to know? Logan is... Yeah, can argue each way. But now, the inverse of that question, who do you think is the smartest person to turn down the deal? To turn down Kendall, like who hundred percent should have turned it down? Um, who should have turned down the deal, or who made the right choice turning it down? I guess I automatically have to go with Shiv, but like I'd, it's sort of like being stuck in a rock and a hard place. I just think it's. I think to be fair, let me sympathize with with both, empathize with both um with the siblings because I think mm-hmm. do I go back to my shitty dad? 
who I'm sort of going to be under with, on um, who's going to control us, or do I go with my equally or equally less shittier brother who is going to be above me? So it's like I don't blame them for not going with Kendall because they won't get what they want either way. Mm-hmm. Maybe go with Kendall because Kendall has the ability to fuck, you know, to eventually fuck things up later down the line, and that's what you're relying on. So I think mm-hmm. if you're on about like the end goal is the top job, the top spots, uh, maybe, but the thing is like, Logan, his time is coming, isn't it? Like, he doesn't really have much left. I don't know, that's a tough question. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know who, I think you can make arguments for both um, Roman and Shiv having yeah. it done. Definitely not Connor, because Connor, you should have accepted his deal from the beginning, you're an idiot. But anyway, um, like, look, I think we can end our discussion there. Shiv is present of Waster, man. She was somehow what the president of Waster <laughs> She asked the same question and <laughs> Logan gave the answer. It means whatever you want it to mean. Okay, so made up. Someone at the top with credibility. A mascot? My eyes and ears shift. At the heart of everything through the shitstorm. But wearing a full chemical and biological suit. Going by the name of Jerry Kelman. Again, I think it was a top tier section episode. I just, because again, I just love when these siblings come together and talk and, and be their dysfunctional selves. Okay, anyway, so guys, that was our conversation on episode two of Succession. Um, join us next week. We'll be talking about, guess what? Episode three. That's, that's how numbers work. Shivy, shivy, shivy. <laughs> And episode three is going to be written by Ted Cohen and Georgia Pritchett and directed by Kathy Yan, who directed Beds of Prey. So, weird. Anyway, yeah, so guys, join us next week when we're talking about Succession. Please engage with us on social media if you want, if you like the episode. Um, obviously, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. We're part of the Podstar Podcast Network, so follow Podstar. See the other interesting podcasts on their network. Um, Obia, do you have any final thoughts? Do you have anything? You, anybody you want to shout out? A girlfriend you want to propose to right now? No. Um, actually, I like to shout out one person, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback oh of the God. Green Bay Packers. And bye, guys. <laughs> See you guys next <laughs> week. Where we'll be joined by Oscar winner, Skins alumni. Oh. Daniel Kalia. Do you know where Skins was filmed? Oh my god, I'm, I'm <laughs> every time. 